0: Let's face it, there's nothing quite like a Halloween prank. We've talked passionately about Devil's Night on this show, which is the 30th of October, when teens go out and create havoc for their neighbors. But what happens if you're watching a prank unfold and then suddenly realize that it isn't a prank at all? It is, in fact, a massacre. I'm Christina. And I'm Kristen. And today on The Real Crime Podcast... We will be unfolding the details of the Liskey family massacre on Halloween night. So honestly, these days when someone says like Lisk or Lisky, I think our minds all go to Lisk or the Long Island serial killer who was just apprehended. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. So if you were looking for Long Island-ish, maybe tune in a bit before you rush off to the next podcast. We're definitely fun and lovable, and I think you'll appreciate this. The date was October 31st in 2010. I had just moved back. To Connecticut and actually hadn't even met Kristen yet which is kind of crazy now to think about it because yeah. we didn't meet until early 2011. Isn't that that's insane? That's true yeah. Yeah. Okay so
1: like we're four like, months apart right, from right. meeting.
0: Exactly but like my life hadn't even begun yet you know because that's I hadn't met true. you yet. That's, so That's right. Exactly. So 16 year old Devin returned home to 7052 North Ohio two in Sandusky, Ohio, after a Sunday morning mass. The house was quiet, and so he went up to his bedroom to play some video games. Devin had spent the night at his father's house the night before, then had gone straight to his church performance that morning. He and his mom Susan lived with his older brother Derek and stepdad Bill, but Bill's son BJ would often visit the home as well. In fact, The day before, Bill and BJ had enjoyed a successful day of hunting and celebrated once they returned home with a neighbor. While Devin was at church that morning, his aunt was trying to reach Derek, who was supposed to be at their home that morning to help his uncle. He hadn't shown which was out of character, and when Lori, his aunt, tried to reach Derek and his mom, Susan, and there was no answer... She started to get very concerned. Lori called Devin, who at this point was back at the ever so quiet house and asked whether or not he had seen his mom and brother. Devin got up from gaming and went to his mother and stepfather's bedroom, realizing that he hadn't seen them. And that's pretty odd. Devin saw that his parents were still under the covers, so he walked into the room and started talking to them.
1: Mind you, it's like 1 p.m. at this point. Yeah, it's so afternoon. It's, it's, it's odd. Weird.
0: It's definitely weird. When they didn't respond, he assumed that this was some sort of prank and went over to pull back the blankets. And there was his mom, Susan, and his stepdad, Bill, and they were covered in blood.
1: At first, he thought it was a Halloween prank.
0: Yeah, like literally he thought it was a joke. And I'm like, That's awful. Why, what parent would ever do that to a child? Well, they didn't.
1: Right. But I mean, can you imagine that being your first thought? Oh my god. I mean, I guess like, you wouldn't want your first thought to be. There well, no, no. None dead. of us
0: none of us walk into a scenario and think, you know, oh my god, everybody's dead. You know, like right. it's just not something. So Devin rushed out of the room and called his Aunt Lori back. He waited outside unsure of exactly what was going on and where this killer could be. At this point, I'm not even certain he knew that they were dead. Like, I think that he was just so shaken up, he didn't really know what was going on. Lori rushes to his aid with 911 on the phone, reporting to the operator what Devin was telling her. She then went into the bedroom to see for herself. Her 911 call is rather gut-wrenching. She knew immediately just based on the amount of blood splatter and just like the sheer amount in general of blood, what was going on. She got out of the house and authorities quickly made their way to the scene. The Liskey family home was the last house before leaving town in the small town of Oak Harbor, a small town where everyone knew everyone. In fact, when one of the detectives heard the address, he knew exactly who the victims were. At this time, the police knew that there were two victims, and they were immediately identified. Nothing in the home looked out of place except, of course, the two victims in the downstairs bedroom. Bill had been shot point blank in the head, and Susan had been shot in the head as well. I also saw that Susan may have been sexually assaulted in one article, but there was no expansion or detail on that.
1: No, they just assumed, like, based on the body position that she was. She was, like,
0: partially out of the bed, kind of hanging off. Right,
1: but, like, they didn't put anything like that in the autopsy report. There was no, Mm -hmm. like, reporting of sexual assault. Right, and I link the
0: article, but, like, the way it reads is... They couldn't tell if she had been sexually assaulted before or after being shot making it sound like she definitely was but it was the only article that brought up sexual assault at all and so i don't know exactly what happened there
1: i would go with no no
0: yeah i'm assuming so too
1: that's bold to oh. print that though yeah
0: exactly exactly very questionable There didn't look like a struggle had taken place, and in fact, it looked like both victims were sleeping when they were killed. There was actually a void pattern by the wall near the door where the shooter took the blood splatter, so uh, essentially a, a white figure with no splatter on the wall because it had been blocked. There were no shell casings found, so the killer had taken the time to pick up after him or herself and closed the door to the bedroom after leaving. The police searched the rest of the house, and upstairs, they locate a locked door. Now, I'm actually surprised that this didn't happen sooner right. in the timeline, because it's like, you're not going to start looking for victims. Right. wouldn't you clear you- the house? Exactly, you'd have to clear the house and make sure that nobody else was in there. So the police forced this bedroom door open. And in the room, they found a third victim, a young man who had suffered severe blunt force trauma to the head. He was also dead. This was Derek, 23-year-old older brother of Devon. His skull was cracked open, and it seemed like he had been asleep as well. He was likely killed first with a hammer-like object, then his mother and stepfather were shot downstairs so as not to arouse one or the other.
1: I read that he was found in the fetal position. So I'm wondering if he wasn't actually asleep? asleep. Interesting. Interesting. I did not see that. So
0: that's, that's fascinating. I'm wondering too, though, if your body wouldn't just
1: curl up after the first blow, you know what or, I, mean? I mean? Even if you were asleep after the first blow, you wouldn't be right. Exactly.
0: Now, given that the home was a fairly remote farmhouse, no one heard much of anything. But one neighbor did recall hearing kind of three distant banging sounds around 630 a.m. Now, keep in mind, too, like these are like avid hunters and stuff. And I'm guessing it's not just the people that live in this house. So they probably weren't too alarmed
1: by hearing something. It must be hunting season. Right. Because they had just just hunted
0: the day before. Exactly. And they caught a deer. So like, it wouldn't be that weird to hear gunshots somewhere, you know? So suspicion at this point immediately turned to Devin, the 16-year-old who came to a, basically came home to a quiet house and just went straight up to his room to play video games. Plus, isn't it strange that he didn't look for his brother Derek or his brother BJ knowing that they were at the house after finding his parents dead? I don't know. I thought that was a little bizarre.
1: Yeah, but maybe... I mean, he was probably just so shooken up.
0: That's fair. That's fair.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I guess I would be screaming for my brother if I thought my brother was in the house also. Yeah. Instead of calling my aunt. Well, well, he was calling his aunt back, to be fair. And if you recall, Derek... But he... Hmm. Like, after he found his parents dead, that was what was on his mind? Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. So... The police dig a little bit into Devin's alibi,
0: and it turns out that Devin had been at his father's house until about 8.40 a.m. Then he stopped at his own house, the Liskey family house, for just a minute, about 9 a.m. to change his clothes, then rushed right over to church. Then, when he returned, he would play video games. Now, I definitely have to agree that there was some questionable behavior because, you know wouldn't you at least hear or see something during your time? Even if it wasn't like in that short period of time in the morning, you figure you're at least going to hear someone else in the house moving around and like to not hear any of that, it's gotta be a little bizarre. But then again,
1: I'm wondering if we're thinking too much into it because 16 year old boys have a complete different mindset than, well, obviously 30 something year old women or even like if we put ourselves into our 16 year old shoes Mm -hmm. That's still going to be different than a 16-year-old boy.
0: Plus, on top of that, it's it's like, I don't think anybody walks into their house just kind of, like, not hearing any sounds and saying, oh, my God, the whole family's been massacred, right. you know? Like, when I walk into my house and there's, like, no sound, but my husband's car is in the driveway, I'm like, oh, maybe he's taking a nap or a shower or something, and I just can't hear it, you know? So... Many of the town residents had seen Devin at the church. Plus, his level of distress was so obvious that Devin was at this point cleared. Now, the detective team turned to the house for clues and answers. They went to the dock at the back of the house and found a series of muddy footprints leading both there and away. They thought, well, this must be from the killer, possibly disposing of murder weapons. But no. No. The water in this acre-sized pond was actually drained away and searched, and nothing was found. Then, a new name pops up. Missing brother BJ. You see, at 9 o'clock in the morning when Devin went home to change his clothes, he saw BJ outside of the house. BJ was either putting things in Bill's Ford F-150 pickup or possibly taking them out. They exchanged a few words, which was rather odd because bj was very quiet and didn't really like to make conversation and he seemed very inquisitive on a morning like this
1: nor was he supposed to be there yeah yeah
0: and so it's just kind of one of those things where it was nothing alarming enough but it was strange and keep in mind bj and bill had gone hunting the day before and after church when Devin came home bj and the truck were both gone so the hunt for B.J. began. His phone was turned off. Authorities checked with his mother, who lived about 15 minutes away from the Lisky home, but he wasn't there. The Liskys had a cabin a couple of hours away, and a bolo was released to all law enforcement agencies between there and the Lisky home. And a bolo is just to be on the lookout. They continued to interview friends and neighbors to get to the bottom of what was going on. And it seems like there may have been a little bit more to this family dynamic than they knew. So, apparently BJ and his stepmom Susan, Devin's birth mother, didn't get along very well. That is an understatement. Yes, yes it is. In fact, BJ hated that his dad had remarried and hated having to share the house with his new family members. The tension was high. In fact, on more than one occasion, BJ had assaulted Susan physically. BJ was a troublemaker.
1: Oh, sorry. You... I was to say, he was even arrested for assaulting her, yes. but she, tra- she dropped the charges.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Even Bill couldn't control him when he got into one of these moods. And it looked like there was some sort of undiagnosed mental illness, which was only worsened when he got drunk.
1: I did read that he was diagnosed with schizoaffective <laughs> disorder.
0: But I think that might have been after later on. That was like once he was like later sort of thing. And interestingly enough as well, just the night before BJ and Bill had been drinking. Now I have to say, I am not here to victim shame. But if you have a son who's got some mental illness issues and you know that they are worsened by alcohol, why are you giving that son alcohol?
1: I think, so, uh, there had been a lot of turmoil between the families, and I think that the father was just so relieved or happy, I don't know, you gotta be in a good mood if you have a good day with your son. That's fair. With the whole family, like, I read that they were all together. Yeah. And it was a good night, so bill was actually the one who got too drunk to drive bj home because he was not allowed to live in the house with them after right, all these right. assaults so he was supposed to drive him home but he got too drunk so he let him sleep on the couch mm. interesting so i don't know how much bj had to drink or if okay. it was just bill that got drunk too sort of much. Yeah. and i will say
0: one of the assaults was actually so bad that Lori. um that Lori, the aunt, uh, knew about it and shared that with police, it had actually caused BJ to be sent to a group home, which is where he was living. What made it even worse was Derek, the 23-year-old, just a couple of weeks before Halloween, had gotten into some trouble, but he wasn't kicked out of the house. And I think that really kind of drove the rift wider. But then
1: again, I mean, what was the trouble?
0: It it, it was, like, super minor, sort of...
1: And was it trouble against, like, anyone in the family? No, it wasn't assaulting a family member, repeatedly. There's, like,
0: a huge difference. Exactly, exactly. But is there a huge difference in the mind of a mentally ill, like, an undiagnosed mentally ill young man? Probably not. True. So, sure enough, that bolo worked. They found the F-150 at the hunting cabin and the officer who located it was able to subdue BJ there. He was Mirandized and refused to talk. On his clothes were a few blood spots and splatters. They also searched the house and truck for the murder weapons. In the truck, they find blood evidence and the gun. Then, back at the Lisky residence, they find a blood-covered hammer stuffed behind a family safe. At this point BJ's arrested and what's wild this is and this is really bizarre. After BJ's arrested his aunt Susan, which is Bill's sister, not Aunt Lori or Bill's new wife. They definitely needed some like differentiating names sort of thing because it's one of those things where you're like okay, I'm I'm sort of following this she died in a massive house explosion on November 1st. So there are three deaths on October 31st and then one on November 1st. And it was actually enough for the police to say, wait a second, did BJ plan this before? Or like did he not do it at all? Because he's in prison so he couldn't have done this. But it was determined that it was just kind of a wild coincidence and BJ had nothing to do with it. At the same time, you know, does this mean that BJ isn't guilty? Like, what's what's the scoop? Like, did he do something? Is there some third party that's after the family all around? But really, the fire was totally accidental. Essentially, the surviving brother, Devin, goes on later to explain that his aunt left the gas on and then decided to smoke a cigarette next to it in the garage and blew up. But they... Also, believe that she was incredibly like mentally distressed from the arrest of BJ, who yeah. she was very close to, and from the death of her brother.
1: Oh, do you did think
0: that it was like a, like intentional. intentional? Exactly. So, there's thoughts that it could have been intentional. Like, she, she chose, but what an awful way to do it. I mean, I it's guess a it's quick. quick. Yeah. So, BJ eventually pleaded guilty for the murders of his family. He actually blamed, um, he, he actually apologized for murdering his family, but then blamed it on mental illness and Satan. So I'm not sure how much responsibility he was really taking if Satan came up. Like, right. I found that kind of interesting. Like, did the devil make him do it sort of thing? Or like, is he owning up to the fact that he did it because he's disturbed? He was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences in 2011 but he actually ended his own life in prison in 2015, just four years after his sentencing. Devin, the lone survivor, has actually taken kind of an incredible stand on everything because you figure his entire family was wiped out in one fell swoop, and that's got to be nuts. He doesn't hold on to the hate for BJ, but instead a sadness that his family didn't have the tools to help him through his darker times. He also went on to marry his beautiful wife at the Liskey family farm and named his baby boy Derek after his brother. He wanted to change the forever imprint on that property, at least for him.
1: I mean, I get it, but I don't think I could ever... No, I don't think I could either. ...get married on the property my entire family was murdered on.
0: Agreed. Agreed. I don't think so either.
1: It would be, you
0: know, I guess like they're there with you in spirit, but like, ugh. I don't know. It's it's
1: a little too dark for me, but like I understand trying to like switch right the right. connotation of that property in your head. I guess
0: absolutely, absolutely, kind of change the memory of it. You know, but I don't know. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that was the Liskey family murder, and thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back with um kind of something a mix up. Yeah. So just get ready because like next week's gonna be wild. So we'll see you soon. Bye bye.